welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I used to have a problem that a lot of writers starting out do. We never actually took the time to sit down and write. Exactly. So, to cure that issue, we decided to issue a challenge. Each week we sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come onto the podcast, we read the story sent in by you wonderful listeners, and then we talk about the others. Mm-hmm, exactly. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof, a media, doof media production. Um, I'm in New York right now. Uh-huh. That's neat. Hey, big city, mm-hmm. big apple, concrete jungle, red green tomato. I was that. Is that a reference, or did you just kind of spontaneous? No, yeah, it's 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 from the New York song. The New York song. You know, like New York, New York. I guess. You know that song? I guess so. I did. I didn't. Okay. I don't know. I'm pretty uncultured. It has uh has Jay Z. Jay Z. Wow. Jay Z. Yeah. Oh, so you don't you don't mean like the old New York song? Because that was probably I mean I don't I let's song. move on. Um, I will say <laughs> when, this is great. when I'm uh walking down, I already really do want to have spider-man powers yeah i already had that urge and now i just want to get places and i'm just like wow if i could just flip you know get flipping yeah flip around that'd be so cool (laughs) but i can't alas yeah yeah but i mean are you learning the entire substation or like are you mostly walking yeah yeah i'm not i'm taking the subway um I learned, I really hate this about the New York subway. Not every subway is like this everywhere. I mean, I'm sure plenty are, but um, I know the one in London is not like this. But um, for a good number of the stations, the only way to, like, there'll be multiple tracks, right? One going north and one going south or whatever. And the only way to switch Mm -hmm. from the train going north to the one going south is if you get out of the subway and then cross the street and then go back in and and swipe your your card again um and i guess that it sort of makes sense in like if if you don't mess up uh if you don't have to go backwards then you never have to do that but if you do mess up and got on the wrong train or miss your stop like i did and have to go back then it does cost an extra uh card swipe on the uh the yeah. thing so i think that's which i bad. guess you like load your money yeah. onto a car yes or like so like in london and other places <clears throat> if you have to switch sides you just like cross a bridge that's underground and it's no problem so bit sad that that's mm. not the case here yeah but you know hey that's also uh america you yeah. know you have to pay the the price for your fuck up mistake. yeah yeah exactly Fair enough. Um, but I mean, honestly, it's it's probably pretty good that that you're at least messing up now, so that like come one year, two years, ten years of uh-huh. being a, uh, a a like New Yorkite, right? You, know, um, you will never make that mistake ever again. again. And in fact, you will laugh. You you will laugh at other people. Mm-hmm. I will laugh at you. <laughs> I was talking to both Jarvis and every listener. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You will laugh. At them in their face. I will, yeah, I will go hee hee ha ha, you fool. Even though you just made that mistake, right? But I have grown grown ago. as a person since. So yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm taller in now. Your presence. We're just we're just little babies. Little babies. Uh, all right. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in New York. Uh, I'm currently in a hotel as I, as I look for a place to live. Um, I got a job at a cafe in Central Park. How main character is that? Ooh, okay. And and ideally, I, I get a something actually relevant to my major. But I guess <laughs> being an English major, being it, a barista sounds starts. about uh, where most of my major ends up. But it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, uh, in those uh, cafes, hopefully you will meet a like, I don't know, someone in the business, even though that's like what everyone has has a hope for, yeah. especially in the well, new, new York. But, you know, I have a I have an interview for a marketing thing, so maybe that'll turn up, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to get yeah, somewhere it's still good to be there um, that isn't like the most crime ridden place, but also um leaves me with a couple dollars to spend on a bagel you know but yeah yeah exactly because i'm guessing bagels are like five five dollars they're they're like three bucks that's actually pretty reasonable um i mean that's that's two more dollars okay right but like they they like make it fresh they just they put some stuff on it for you so Mm -hmm. mustard they put a lot of cream cheese let me i did not know that you're supposed to have Use use that much like a like a half inch of cream cheese between <laughs> cream your cheese. between your slices of of bagel. I didn't know that. Um, I mean, I mean that's that's how they're feeling. Apparently, so the more you know, that's how you do a New York bagel. It was it was pretty yeah. good. I got two, but I, then I got full after one. So it's just a stale bagel. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to load on the like cream cheese like that i like, didn't i didn't that 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 can't be good for i assume system. that the man behind the counter was an expert so yeah <laughs> well yeah he's the uh, uh, uh bagel boy he's the bagel boy now i'm <laughs> i've become a bagel boy all right let's <laughs> let's <laughs> let's get started please um what were the words this week uh thanks Thank you so much for asking. So the words for this week were final, serve, sin, and rise. So, so very evocative words. Yeah, look, I look. it did strike me that I did say last week, no one write a story where you use ride in the sinful way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for the most part, it didn't, it didn't occur to me that this is a very sexual group of words. So particular so. um, sin serve Serve. and then ride it's Mm -hmm. it's also um, final yeah in in some sense like i don't even i don't even really know what sense i mean when i say that but i do see it i do um so yeah so we got a lot of sex stories this week which is fine it's fine yeah uh thank uh, thankfully they were all uh in pocket In pocket, what would would have what would have been uh, out of pocket for a sex Uh, story? Like just just straight straight up, up. yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Because 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 you know all all of the sexual stuff that was sent in, it was was pretty well done to to character. Yeah, it is is linked to a wider emotion, and it's not just straight up uh, meat sacks being thrown together. You know. Is that? I mean, okay, fair enough. Um, sorry, that was just a particular description that I hadn't heard before, but that's that's fine. Uh, <laughs> so the story we're going to be reading this week 
is uh what was the name of it actually uh well it is by Svine by me and titled the affair actually no it, it doesn't have a title no you could call it the affair um the affair works um so forewarning this is one of those sexual stories um so if you are currently playing this out loud at your work don't mm-hmm. it's not safe for work um yeah, it also put in some headphones. uh so it has so other uh, content warnings is it has uh, a homophobic slur in it and um bad power dynamics and just also general young adult cringe i think mm-hmm. yes, but that, yes. that's a theme so um but it's it's quite good i quite liked it so let's uh let's just get into it so this is The Affair by Svine by Me. The Affair, all of it, was built on a series of sins, both direct and subtle. I had been her student. I wasn't at the start of our thing, but that air hung over us, the air of the forbidden. New love is always spiced with a shock-tingle fear of making oneself vulnerable in front of a stranger, and the bite was all the sharper when our relationship was also spiced with the forbidden. I was a grad student, she a former professor of mine. She had a toddler, an ex-husband, and the usual host of issues one accumulates by early middle age. I had crushing student loans, even more crushing self-doubt, and a body that uncomfortably bore the overflowing energy of youth. My sins were plentiful. Ignoring my studies in favor of meaningless drunkenness, meaningless sex, and meaningless drunken sex. Holding myself with aloof arrogance as if somehow academic success meant anything at all. No showing my own grandmother's funeral so I could go fuck the hot professor, and actually saying out loud to my grieving father words that still make me cringe 30 years later. Hers were, no doubt, just as plentiful, but the only one I remember is the one that affected me. Of course, because I was a 21-year-old self-absorbed asshole, parentheses, C, author, comma, me, title, social consequences of implying child abuse during the alleged abuser's funeral, end title. Source, this post, 12th of August, 2021, the gaffe right before this one, Reddit. So, we lied to each other. Constantly. Lies of omission, sure, but also lies of... Well, whatever the fuck the opposite of omission is. Lies where you just straight up lie just right to someone's fucking face. I told her I wasn't seeing anyone else, that my energy was wholly devoted to grad school and to her. She told me that her parents were okay with her relationship, and that her ex wasn't anything to worry about, and that she wasn't seeing anyone else. The overt lies were... Somehow, easier to forgive. I mean, fuck. I even forgave her for giving me an STD because I was young, dumb, horny, and she was by far the hottest person I'd ever seen naked. But the thing that would serve as the last straw, that final tipping point that sent me running for good, were the lies of omission. She never told me her ex had been stalking her, and threatening her, and me, and the kid, She never told me her older brother constantly harangued her to grow up and stop messing around with that boy toy. And oh, how that one burned. That faggot 
was married to a man 18 years his junior, and he was going to get on our case about age differences? Mind you, retreating into cheap slurs when angered over personal attacks was one of those things I was doing frequently in the years before the new millennium. I've since outgrown that shit, as has the pop culture, thank god. The one that really did it, though, was her failure to tell me that what was going on with a kid. For all that my dick and my idiocy had led me to that situation, it was my desperate need to do right by a two-year-old that kept me there for months after I should have fled. I saw how the kid behaved as she spent a weekend with her bio dad. Anger and screaming and backsliding on basic potty training. I, I knew enough to, to know, whoa, dude, that's fucked up. But not enough to know I should have called CPS or the kid's grandparents or staging an intervention or something. Half a year in, and I went over to get laid one day. I thought the kid was with the dad or the grandparents, but it turned out she was simply asleep in her room and hot prof had failed to tell me. I was leaning back into the porn-set leather couch, enjoying her ministrations when the kid toddled her way into the living room. I have no doubt that she was both too young to understand what she was seeing and too young to remember it, but it wasn't the shock or embarrassment over being caught mid-blowjob by a toddler that mattered. It was the fact that those huge, soft, puppy-dog eyes looked up at me, welled up in tears of shock and happiness, and their bearer shouted, John! I thought you gone! Dragon tails! The professor's reaction was about what you'd expect. Lips parted from genitals with a quick, wet pop and a jerky hand motion covered by shame with my oversized hoodie. She immediately started yammering on, her words slightly slurred as her mouth reconfigured itself. But it was too late. The damage was done. An innocent child hadn't seen me for eight days, and when you're just shy of three years old, eight days is an infinity. Her exclamation... Her exclamation spoke to a simple, omitted truth. She'd gotten hopelessly attached. She turned our bi-weekly sessions of watching Dragon Tales, VHS videos, into a core experience, a core ritual of her life. I thought maybe I loved her mom. I certainly loved sleeping with her mom. But I couldn't be caught with my pants down, quite literally, and be immediately shown how I'd inadvertently assumed a place of central importance in a child's life and not freak the fuck out. Functionally a child myself, I wasn't ready to understand, accept, or assume that kind of responsibility. I thought I was just the cool babysitter that showed up when mom was still home, played super awesome, fun games with a kid, and got paid in sex instead of wrinkled $5 bills. Maybe if she turned to me, even once, and said, Hey, you know, Lizzie really likes you, and she asks about you when you're not here. I might still be there. I'd now be the middle-aged one in the relationship myself. But she didn't. I'm now older, much older, than the professor was when I'd started my affair with her. And I think of her, not at all. Instead, I think of those shining brown eyes and their joy and exclaimed, Dragon Tales. And I thank my lucky stars that I settled down with a partner who didn't want kids. 
All right, all right. So yeah, this is a a, a really great story. I love how, of course, it's a uh, complete story. Takes you through the meeting of of these two characters and really does a really great job at um, telling us and showing us how this uh, teacher woman has a lot of apparently baggage. You know, a um, a like ex husband who's very threatening and goes into her her family and like and like how they view this. This guy, and I really do love just the calcified awkwardness and also really understand this um, guy's feeling when this uh, child walks in on him. Love how much we're able to really sit in that moment and really understand where this person is is coming from and why they decided to uh, leave it, but also going into what could have could have made them them stay. So I don't know. I. I just feel that this story has so much, so much insight in into this character, and it's told from a distance to where there is a lot of hindsight that is being applied to these moments, to where this character knows that that they weren't the best person throughout this entire experience, and they let you know that while also being able to to tell this this story in the truest form of it. So. Overall, I just really love this uh, this story and how much it was able to cover in such a short little piece. So really great. Job. Yeah, yeah. This is exactly what um, we're hoping for when uh, people are doing their their self self reflections on like nonfiction and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. um, I know. You know, I don't want to like uh, confirm anything about Spine by Me because you know this is their own piece and stuff, but. Yeah, that's exactly you, looking back on a situation and, and not just like not just telling about the moment, right? Because that moment where the kid walks in, that's really like the central. And in fact, I think kind of the only um, like in scene, in setting uh, moment in the yeah. story, right? Very, very present. Um, yeah. And I think uh, but I think that works really, really well because we have all of this um, before and after being used to characterize and, and set up that moment ahead of time and really care across the meaning mm-hmm. of everything um in it and i think that's that's um really well done and yeah it's it strikes me of you know that <laughs> this obviously has a, a lot to do with sex and a lot to do with like a a young adult mm-hmm. perspective on sex in, in particular um and yet it completely like it, it's interesting that it's like juxtaposed with the sort of innocent naivety of this uh this kid's exclamation right um, I think that's really well done. Mm-hmm. It echoes not just in, um, you know, in, in the sort of plot of it, right? The the fact that the kid wasn't aware of it, but also like within the like prose itself, right? The like wet pop of <laughs> that, right? Like that's that's a very strong, like it's a you know yeah. in scene description, like very uh, like sound based and and very like crude, right? This this the the, the couch is a. a Mm-hmm. Uh, porn style couch right um so you have all of that and that's juxtaposed with this section of huge soft puppy dog eyes welled up in tears of shock and mm-hmm. happiness and they're bearer so like this sort of shift in uh writing style right um not saying and then she said right having more of a poetic um setup for the dialogue uh, and then just the the mm-hmm. child's dialogue. This is very much the child's dialogue. John, I thought you gone. Dragon tales, so good. Um, 
yeah, it carried across within the the text of it and very much, um, yeah, yeah, it very much carries across the, the voice of a innocent child. Yeah. And I mean, like, within that, <clears throat> that moment, I mean, as you were saying, I love how there's this tremendous shift in not only the, the style, but the direction of the story. I mean, like, from, uh, from the beginning, it's just a like, lost setup of the state of this re relationship um this this person being able to talk about how they felt then and also how they feel now you know and and how things have have changed and um them being glad for that change um but it, but it is all leading up to this mm-hmm. this moment and then as and then as soon as this happened we can really feel the fear within john sort of build you know how like oh i Oh, this this isn't just me having sex with this woman. I am affecting this this person's life. I am affecting this this child. I I uh, love the um the moment when when basically he he says that they you know something that that he really didn't really think about that that much has turned into a core mm-hmm. experience for this child. And and I love how we are able to really shift how we are looking at this act, you know, from a sort of slightly taboo thing that her family doesn't really uh approve of and there being like a whole bunch of different issues happening to oh this is actually affecting a a child this is more serious mm-hmm. than yeah. just sex yeah you know and i love how how within those those few paragraphs we're able to get a huge shift in how we are supposed to view this this act to where now we we understand oh yeah it is best to to uh get out of this especially after um setting up how this person during during that time wasn't ready for this didn't didn't want that and how that moment scared him out of uh pursuing Mm -hmm. it further so yeah i just think like overall yeah this is just a really great piece of um non non non-fiction really like being able to be so close to this to this main uh, character because you are speaking uh, about your yourself while also still being very mm-hmm. honest about who you were and, and I feel that that's one thing that I found in a lot of um, non nonfiction is that people tend to want to view their their selves the best that they possibly can within these sort of uh, situations you know I've I've read a lot of non nonfiction where this character is doing bad things but we're set so far in their head to where we're supposed to be on their uh, their side where to where it almost seems like some things are flubbed but i do really like how this piece is able to be so honest about this uh situation and really take us through this journey and uh and allow mm-hmm. us to feel what this what this main character of of, of john felt with yeah i think the um the self-deprecation, I think, is pretty important, and um, I think something that is really uh, maybe um, while we are in this month doing nonfiction, something that we can continue to do um, is yeah, look at like flawed moments like these, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where I mean, obviously, Spine by Me is not the only person messing up in this situation, right? Um, but of course, yeah. Uh, I think what Spine by Me sort of um, implying with this is like the only person that uh they can criticize is themselves right and i think that's sort of 
something that we can carry across with a, a lot of our nonfiction. Like that's not ne- not necessarily true. We can definitely criticize other people that we've been around, right? But we are the only person that we can see start to finish. You know what our reasoning was, what our feelings were, um, all the way through. Um, and so, if you're going to criticize someone, I think looking at ourselves, I think is a really um, great place to be. And especially like not necessarily to to make excuses for it, right? Um, there's no excuse in this. Uh-huh. I think it, it's very obvious. That's fine by me. Doesn't is not happy about how um, this uh, turned out. Um, and I mean, like the, the the character here kind of seems like um, I think the conclusion that that we're being led to draw is that this was sort of like a cowardly thing. Um, not that it was mm-hmm. just like you know just fear, but um, and obviously probably shouldn't have happened in the first place quite the way it did. But um, uh, <laughs> yeah. that yeah, there was this poor kid, and the character just uh, wasn't comfortable with the uh, the responsibility of that. And um, sorry, there's like a but um. There's a police officer. Yeah, police officer in my room. No, um, just <laughs> outside. This <laughs> New York. Um, of uh, anyway, that's sorry. I've been rambling. The conclusion is <laughs> that um, we can <laughs> criticize ourselves, and I think um, that's a really great place to start looking if you're looking for something to write in your nonfiction. Yeah, one one hundred per percent. I mean, overall, of course, a a really great great story. I mean, loved it through and through. Um, is there Anything else you uh, want to say on it before we move on? No, I, I think that covers all the, the stuff I had in mind. All right, cool, cool, cool. So thank you so much to Fine By Me by sending us a outstanding mm-hmm. story. Um, and all right, so it's high time to roll on into our listener submitted story section. Uh, it's my favorite section of the entire podcast. So before we roll on into it, I would like to say thank you to everyone who did submit a story. So thank you very much to Glittering Coast, Flower Priest, Jarby Jazz, Blarry345, and Nipotin for sending mm-hmm. in a story. And the first story we, we will be talking about is by Glittering Coast with This Better Not Awaken Something <laughs> Which in is me. Uh, a, a funny meme. I like it. It's not safe for worth. Yeah, so this one, mm-hmm. obviously... The the words this week did inspire a lot of sexual things, obviously. So this one describes um, someone, a uh, main character, going into a um, BDSM. What's it? Is it? What, is this a dungeon or is this just like a? I guess it's a dungeon. I don't know exactly yeah. what the setting is, I, but the point is, I'm, I'm there's a BDSM so. sex party going on, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's 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 great <laughs> uh, because it, it really shows like the full um the nitty gritty of it, I guess, the, the reality of it. So it's not just like mm-hmm. a stylized, you know, sex scene, right? It's actual people actually doing yeah. sexual things. Neon yeah, lights. Yeah, I mean, it opens with, um, have you ever watched an 80 year old man walk around in nothing but a leather thong? It's actually quite freeing. It's great. <laughs> it's great. And then describing in particular yeah. what that looks like, what that feels like. Um and there's a couple other things where it's like the, these things in their barest uh, description are not sexy, right? They're not something that would show up in a porn or whatever. Um, but uh-huh. it still has this sense of sensuality, right? But um, we go through, we see a bunch of different scenes going on in here as the character sort of um, is trying to figure out where they want to be in this, if they want to be in this, right? And then they end up relating to both the um, masochists and the sadists. And um, that's exciting. Sort of discovering a part of themselves, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I really like how I guess raw and um, how raw this this story really is, you know, and how it's sort of reinforcing this uh, this idea about how this stuff isn't like tab taboo or, or or really anything. It's freeing, and you know, I enjoy how this this character is looking closer at at at, at certain things. Like I I know multiple times it uh it talks about how their how they have their initial reaction and how they they look closer and then find something mm-hmm. different within it so yeah i think overall it, it this story is really showing this uh really strong moment that's filled with with a lot of senses um and a lot of imagery and is sort of uh and sort of allowing us uh, along with this character to look deeper into how this can be more more freeing than uh, taboos yeah i just really like it yeah um it's a great sort of um look through of uh, self-reflection i feel like um it could have had a little bit more on the thematic level of like i i guess more of a of a conflict right like to overcome or not overcome um but as a moment of like self-discovery i think it works well Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, but all right, thank you very much to Glittering Coast. And up next is by Flower Priest with Airport So Stories. this is a self-reflective uh, piece um, with this repeated imagery going backwards through this person's life. So for the most part, the imagery has to do with either um, with uh, traveling and storms, uh, which is a recurring motif. But every paragraph is a, um, is a different age um, going in about two-year... Uh, two uh, increments backwards so 26 and then ending at uh 12 so it's this interesting sort of self-reflection on like um siblinghood looking at their um siblings who either have traveled or have not traveled and sort of like reflecting with them and sort of this uh, self-discovery of like the fear and excitement that comes with going to uh, a new place as um flower priest went from um, their home country to like an English camp and ended up in America. Um, but of course, uh, going backwards. So starting talking about like freshman orientation and things like that. And actually the pandemic um, before uh, yeah, going back to um, that very first trip when they were going to English camp and how they were excited for that. And even before that, when they were 12 years old and their older brother was going to English camp and um, that uh, they envied uh, that opportunity to go because it seemed almost like a, a mystical place, the U.S., you know, uh, this magical place and promising mm-hmm. that um, they too would be going through those doors one day. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, really enjoyed this, this story. I, I like the device of moving backwards in time. It's uh, really able to allow us to con- to compare the the now versus the past and really see how especially within those first few few trips there is that magic within it you know uh and i really really like that because it was really able to not only uh allow us to see how traveling has changed for this for uh, for this main character over time but as we step back through through time we are able to understand what came be before it even more based off of what we are we are reading now and it and it makes for very um a very different and uh interesting reading ex experience um 
but yeah, I mean, overall, I just, I just really in, enjoyed the time that is that is uh, taken here. You know, not only ex explaining their their views on on travel, but also going through uh, their hopes and and dreams, and uh, really going through how how their family views it, and, and, and you know, certain certain hangups and uh, gripes that they have with it. So overall, I just really enjoyed this uh, this story. Really great job. So um, if I was to do a critique, it's basically just that like the very first paragraph, I think it's, it, it um, worked as a, like an easy um, opening into the rest of the story. But I feel like, especially, you know, upon a rewrite, uh, making that first paragraph more thematically resonant um i think mm-hmm. would be helpful because it right now it feels like maybe that uh yeah flower priest did, wasn't sure exactly what their story would be about and then as it they wrote it it sort of changed um so making like you know the the beginning echo the end i think is exactly what uh would make this work really really well um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely um but thank you very much to flower priest and up next is by Jarby Jass with Death Isn't the End. So this is a um, a cool uh, third-person nature sort of nonfiction, which I like. Um, so there is this a mouse in a field, um, which is then immediately uh, switched around that it was not like a happy live mouse. It was a dead mouse, but that's okay. And we go through why that's okay because of all this life that sprouts from the corpse. Um, so first these flies come, then... Uh, wasps um then more beetles who are also feeding on the flies just like the wasps um until finally the the very last one is a carrion beetle um who bites off pieces of the corpse puts them inside of a tunnel um lays a bunch of eggs and the uh young will eat the (laughs) eat the rest of the body that's left so it's sort of in this um (laughs) <laughs> the, the the ending sort of implies a sort of Attenborough, you know, documentary sort of thing, um, talking about truly astounding, uh, this sort of vast uh, generalization that's common in these documentaries um, with like, it's ingrained into their DNA, this intricate time-tested system of undertaking, which is exactly, you know, the convoluted <laughs> British kind of <laughs> documentary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's cool. The, the descriptions of all of the decomposition and all the life is, is quite good. And there's like, these sort of twists and turns as some things come to eat the corpse and then those things are in turn. Yeah, definitely. I uh, really do in, enjoy the description of this um, imagery being being built. How um, we are always focused on on this mouse, but it sort of follows this uh, path. We know this this happens and then uh, this comes in and then, oh, there's uh, this like little maggot in in inside but that's not it yada 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 and i uh, really do like how we are able to follow this very fine path of how of the entire grand scale of, of how this um little mouse is being um decomposed and i really do like how we are always staying focused and um how yeah i mean i mean as you said it does really follow how um, they would shoot it during a, a dock, and, and you know how um, we would follow the like uh, little beetle going going from the corpse to their little hovel, and you know putting putting the eggs on on top. So I mean, overall, I just I, I really liked how much this this story decided to focus on something really small, but is also trying to dig deeper and, and really pour uh, portray 
the beauty that is a uh, with within this um without getting too grotesque so really great job yeah um i like all the different focuses in those uh turns right um i think there's a uh the there's this motif of these fly maggots that comes up a couple times and i felt like since they mm-hmm. do come up multiple times, like everything seems to be eating the fly maggots um it got like very slightly repetitive on that just moment in particular um but the thing i would critique uh, especially is there's this wonderful like uh setup at the end here with this mother carrion beetle laying these eggs and it being the only one that's like safe right uh, because they're inside this tunnel yeah. and she's kind of doing stuff to uh protect them and so even after this mother is dead the work that she has done will feed these children um I thought there was something really poetic there and I just wanted some sort of echo with the death of the mouse in the first place to um, to echo in in that setting, right? Like, I don't need to know how the mouse died, right? But if it mentions something about um, the mouse's young, perhaps, or, um, you know, maybe they, they come across her body or something like that, or maybe she's already had uh, babies and um, she died at the end of a long life or whatever else, or maybe it is just a young baby, right? Maybe it is a, a baby mouse that just died. But regardless, some sort of echoing with um, either the, the young or um, something else about the a connection with the, the mother carrion beetle, some sort of echoing of like this sort of cycles repeating in, in a different way with these insects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I mean, overall, a uh, really great story to uh, Jarvie Jazz. And uh, and up next is Blarry three four five with the time before. Mm-hmm. So this is a um, nice uh, sort of moment of uh, nonfiction moment. Um, the character is or, or Blarry three four five talks about how they did um, this uh, skiing race, and it, of course at first it, they were very very cold because they're just out here in a t-shirt. We don't even see that they are at a skiing race. First we just feel that coldness and how they're trying to stay warm. But soon they're going to be exerting themselves and going to be too hot, um, even just in that, that T-shirt. <laughs> and um, it's just like a moment of, of pause right before the, the race starts, starting with that physical, then going out into the circumstances and then um, back into sensation with everyone going off uh, for the race. And then finally, um, it's their turn. My poles dig into the packed snow, driving myself forward across the snow, finally in motion. So it's, yeah, it's this cool pause before we go yeah definitely and i uh really like how this story really uh, deals with the uh, senses of um the anticipation for this push-off you know and it's really building this this tension while while also showing us this like nice moment of of calm before the storm so um yeah i i think it's like really really well uh, well put i i love the uh prose Within this, the the pumping my arms, the um, the uh, focus of of the race uh, ahead, and yeah, I just think that this is, is a really great great moment before we get that grand push off. So yeah, overall, I just really like this uh, this story. Really great job. Yeah, um, and uh, I think this this is also another good moment. Just like picking um, a moment that's not necessarily you know a big turnaround or a big re- realization, mm-hmm. just a normal moment um and writing about and writing about that feeling i think it's a really good way to practice um and um 
is a good place to insert other themes or other moments of, of reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and our final story for this week is by Nipotin with a very short story regarding me and her. Um, so this is another of Nipotin's like uh, short scenes, a little bit different from the ones from um, before. Um, mm-hmm. But it's this reflection on uh, how Nipotin would be, or... I assume it's Nipotin, considering nonfiction, but I don't actually know. Um, but the character goes to this cafe and starts talking to this older woman that's always at this cafe as well. And they're always strangers. They never stop becoming strange or, or stop being strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have these exchanges and they do learn a little bit about, about each other without trying to reveal too much of each other. And there's just this interesting, you know, back and forth sort of described. Um, finally, at some point, the main character starts making this older woman laugh and they count the times that they make them laugh 10 times out of 12 attempts basically um which i thought was a a cool touch until finally the older woman has to go and um the main character sort of makes like one little last attempt to have a connection saying jokingly but with some intent um what if i went with you basically Uh, but they're denied uh without with like sort of a like a, a sad smile and then she's gone, and no one at the cafe knew anything about her, not anything more than the main character did. And yeah, it's this sort of sad moment of meeting a stranger and then losing that stranger. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I enjoy how this this story perfectly captures just this really great moment, you know, where they start off beating uh, uh, around the bush, talking, but not really sharing too much about their, their selves. And uh, we can tell how this main character is sort of grappling to get closer uh but it's but it's almost like this sort of dance mm-hmm. you know this uh this uh back and forth x exchange which i really do like and it all really builds to the moment that they that the older woman needs to uh, leave and i really find it sad how this main character is sort of reaching out one last time for a uh, connection but it, it it just isn't meant to a be and it's especially sad with with the very last last line about uh not going there uh again because the sugar had had lost its its taste you know that that like really tells you a a lot about how much this this moment really meant for this uh, this character and how they might even still to this day are um grappling for a connection mm-hmm. like overall like really great and i love how much you're able to show us the emotions within this this scene um while still not being completely within his main character's head there is a certain sense of uh, distance Mm -hmm. there that i like yeah um just a sort of quiet moment um with realizations and uh about this moment of um bonding i think it's good yeah definitely well, all right. Thank you so much to everyone who left your story. Uh, it does the hard good to, to get so many stories this this week. So we would like to give one more thank you to everyone who did submit a story. So thank you very much to Glittering Coast. Thank you, Flower Priest. Thank you, Jarby Jazz. Thank you, Bilari345. Thank you, Spine by Me. And thank you, Nipotin. Mm-hmm. And we would also like to, to, to say thank you to everyone who did leave two or more comments. Leaving comments not only under your own story, but under someone else's story, not only puts all of your own ideas out there for other people to read, but you are also pro- providing someone else with feedback that can only improve them as a writer. So, 
Thank you very much to Fine by Me, Glittering Coast, and Jarby Jazz. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Mm-hmm. If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to Do the Right Thing, you can do that by going to Reddit at slash r slash do the right thing. All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. That's right. And if you want to see the words as soon as they come out, the best way to do that would be to follow us on Twitter at RightThingCast. Um, where you can see the words uh, being released every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support us and everything else happening in Doof Media, you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. All you have to do is donate $10 or more per month to not only be able to vote in everything upcoming in Doof, but also get access to exclusive bonus content. That's right. Um, and of course, there's always so much else go- uh, going on at Doof Media. If you haven't jumped into... Um, what to say yet um, absolutely consider doing so just go listen to the first episode it's a lot of fun or just jump in super recently you'll be very confused about their plot summary but that's also part of the fun I did it recently um, because I uh, have fallen off the wagon of listening because I stopped listening to like anything for a while um, but it's it's really fun it's it's just fun it's a lot of basically it's like a gossiping show with uh, some really friendly and wholesome hosts it's nice nice well, all right. It's time to roll into next week's words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I already posted the words if you want to read them. Mm-hmm. So, the words for next week are depart, deprive, abolish, and pop. Uh, that's right. So, it was actually, when I rolled it, it was uh, deprivation, but I felt like depart, deprive sounded better. So, and it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Much better, so. yeah. Honestly, that sounds like a band that I, that I listen to. Depart, deprive? Yeah, kind of. Depart, deprive. Abolish. <laughs> Abolish pop. <laughs> Abolish pop. <laughs> Kill pop. Exactly. Okay. So depart mm-hmm. is to uh, leave from one place to another. Um, mm-hmm. You could also, I guess you could uh, do a funny thing with it and depart something as in like remove the parts from it. That would be clever. Yeah. Which I stole it. You can't be clever Debrun. now because I did it. So <laughs> um, deprive is to remove something from someone as in like take it away from them so they no longer have it. The emphasis is on the no longer have it. Um, so you can deprive someone of air by keeping them underwater. Mm-hmm. Do you have an example, Jarvis, of deprive? De- deprive? Um, you can, hmm, you can deprive someone of essential vitamins by starving them you can deprive someone that's true yeah you can uh deprive someone of uh physical touch that's true definitely this this uh pandemic has left us in deprived of social contact yeah in a state of deprivation i don't even know how to talk Mm -hmm. uh next word is abolish like as in abolish the police Next, <laughs> yeah, abolish slavery, abolish wine and alcohol. Um, so abolish, abolish mm-hmm. the plastic parts at the end of shoes. Abolish lessons. the uh, uh, military industrial uh, complex. So abolish yes. means to um, stop some, make something not exist anymore. Usually something abstract or institutional. Um, and last yes. one is pop, uh, which is one a onomatopoeia for a um, sort of. I actually that was not a pop at all. Um, I sorry. How do you do the thing with your cheek? You know when you make when you make a pop in your cheek. I oh, can't yeah. do it. You have to like shove your thumb in your mouth. Something and, like, like that. Rip it out. But like it hurts. Mm-hmm. Also popcorn. Exactly. Pop can also be the sound of a gun. That's true. Pop pop. 
And pop is a genre of music, which stands for popular. Right. Which is not a real genre. I.e. basic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those are <laughs> the... Uh, those are those are the words. What's the story that you're you're gonna write, Jarvis? As as short as possible. The story. My short story for next week is going to be about a mass movement to abolish pop music. Mm-hmm. You see, people have uh found people have uh, realized that uh po- that pop music is uh deprived of any creativity. Mm-hmm. And in fact, due to pop music, we are stationary in our in our in our evolutionary process. So. To um, fix everything, we will depart from from pop music being the most popular music, and instead um, uh, listen to all the other music that has more substance. Okay, what if one of them became popular though? What would you do then? Then, then we would delete that song. Mm, okay, okay. So, uh, what what is the? Yeah, everyone stays in the. What lane. is the raw number limit? How many people have to listen to something before we must delete delete it? If it if it is on the top forty, it is instantly deleted well, after no, twenty four no, 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 no. hours. Because because top forty just means so. Oh, wait, okay. If that's the case, and that means every time the top forty gets released, which is what like weekly. 40 yeah. songs have to be deleted exactly. okay and so it's 40 songs you have, a week you have 24 hours to listen to that song I see. after the list is is released i think that would make them liked. even more popular for for it that would. short period exactly but uh but still we like would cycle out what is what is pop so that mm-hmm. nothing is really pop because pop doesn't doesn't have staying power Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna talk about my story. So I'm gonna talk. Uh, my story will be about a, a society of mice, and this one mouse wants to um, abolish the mouse society. Actually, just wants to get rid of it. And this is actually a very rich mouse, um, and um, part of its motivation is to deprive all other mice of everything because it's a very selfish mi- mouse. So it has decided that it is going to build a bottle rocket and go to the moon where it will then rain hellfire upon the rest of the <laughs> the mouse society so it gets into its bottle rocket and with a pop it's off and into the air and um yep from it, it gets into orbit and uh it brought a couple of guns with it and it just shoots them down on earth and it's not earth it's like a mouse-sized earth so it's very small so it's pretty uh-huh. easy and uh just blows it all up it just blows up the whole society pew 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 wow kablooey why why um, do because that? the mouse is made of the the mouse is going to to the moon and the mm, moon's made of cheese. I see. So it was uh, greed that that made him do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Well, I mean, you know, I think if you follow greed, you know, follow that all the way to the end of your goals. That's not the wrong thing to. I, I okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hit stop now. Yes, yeah, same. <laughs>